Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The holiday's over, so let's get back to work here in the doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray, and I'm hoping that everyone enjoyed their holiday weekend. Well, in our own Mississippi State sports business case, holiday. That's okay. We had one day off after the baseball weekend and spring game, or lack thereof. Kathy and I were able to make a quick run down to the Free State for the Easter holiday at the home church and then uh, the family on our farm. And uh, even the price of gasoline couldn't dim our trip. Unfortunately, Saturday dimmed the whole Diamond Dog weekend as a fragile, and this adjective will be used often, be warned about this team, a fragile lead got away in the late innings for a narrow Game 3 defeat. Yes, Mississippi State won the series. That was the overarching goal, simply had to win that series. But still, they were so close. And by close, we mean the two or so inches that Matt Corder's fingers were from home plate when the tag came down. I had to agree with the replay confirmation that it was an out call. And y'all know that I never pass on a chance to bash SEC umpires, or NCAA tournament blues for that matter. Hmm, tournament blues. Is that a Freudian slip of sorts by me? Well, at this mid-April point, Mississippi State's postseason outlook is far from bright. Now, let's be clear, nothing is out of reach other than, of course, the overall or the division titles. Seriously, the math still allows Mississippi State a shot at a first-day bye in Hoover, and goodness knows that would be a satisfactory regular season finish after the first half of SEC season. It would guarantee an NCAA berth and maybe even a regional two-seeding. I know, I know, most of the times your top four SEC teams are contending to host, but let's be honest, the strength of the non-conference schedule, or rather the lack of strength, would probably stop Mississippi State short there. No, just nailing down an NCAA return is the goal now, the longer goal. More immediately, it's making the 12-team field at Hoover, and the dogs have heavy duty ahead. And that's why the Auburn series still stings, because they were within uh, said inches of certainly sending the game into overtime, but uh, even before that, just hold on to that lead. A little too narrow lead, but hold on to that lead, and you sweep a series that you had a great chance to sweep. In fact, a series that uh, by Friday evening you were expecting to sweep. Didn't happen, and I'm not going to blame the rain delays at all. It's just that Mississippi State didn't play well enough to finish off a Tiger team that was vulnerable. Give Butch Thompson's bunch credit for hanging in there and not letting themselves get swept, salvaging it. As a result, they still are ahead of State in the standings. Of course, a lot of teams are ahead of State in the standings right now. Uh, By my math, Mississippi State is tied for ninth after the first half of SEC season. And that's kind of decent given the way some of the series have gone. But they're only one game out of a tie for last place, and that's darn near indecent. It means the SEC cellar, or the stairway to the cellar, is an awfully crowded place halfway through the race. Let's see, three teams are 6-9, and nine, as is Mississippi State. Three more are 5-10. and ten. And that latter group includes this week's opponent. And no, I am not going to allow any state smirking about the rivalry at this moment. Mississippi State's got its own problems to take care of. So, no, no snarking about the Rebels having gone from first in some of the national polls to last in this league. They're on their home field, and they're eager, probably even desperate, to get back on track against the program that has made their Mississippi and SDC West life miserable 
ever since a guy named Jake Mangum enrolled in college. More on this showdown later. Uh, also later in the week, we'll get more deeply into the matchups with the Rebels. For now, let's just pretend this is just another SEC series. Because even that, if, if State was playing anyone else this weekend, it would matter just as much because the Bulldogs need wins. They need a lot of wins. They need wins fast. As I said, they're ninth in the SEC, but that is so fragile at the moment because, again, you're one game out of last place. It made it kind of bitter, in fact, because you're sitting there thinking, do we really want South Carolina to beat Ole Miss because we'd rather the Gamecocks stay down there? By the way, South Carolina is the only team flirting with not being eligible for the NCAA tournament because they're one game over uh, – I'm sorry – 500 overall. Everyone else has a little more margin of error, including Missouri, that's won um, quite a few games out of conference, and that's boosting their RPI as well. But they're sitting down there near the bottom in the SEC. So Mississippi State, with just six wins so far, has nothing to, at all to feel confident about. You know, I was talking uh, before this homestand started that Mississippi State really needed to win four of the six SEC games and, of course, the two non-conference games. Well, they took care of those but they only won twice in SEC play on the home field. Yet they should have won four, probably could have won five. In fact, probably ought to have won five. I just keep going back to the runners left in scoring position in the LSU series, which just by simple odds you expect enough of them to come across home plate in some fashion, even if it's just a booted ball. And State takes that series and then finish off the Auburn series, and you're sitting awfully pretty after the first half of conference play. Instead, you're going into the second half in a hole, a hole that obviously they can still dig out of, but it's still a hole. Now, how do I think that they can dig out of it? Well, let's just, uh, again, look at all these series collectively. The five remaining SEC teams that State has to play in their own first half have a combined record of 38 and 37 in league games. And that sounds uh, pretty vulnerable at this moment. Wait, it gets better. Take away runaway leader Tennessee, and the other four are 24 and 36. Roll that through your head again. 24 and 36. Florida, Texas A&M, Missouri, and Ole Miss. Okay, allowing that all schedules are unbalanced to some degree, this does offer reason for optimism. Or it would if these Bulldogs had proven they can take advantage of opportunities consistently, and they have not. They had every opportunity, again, the LSU series and the Auburn series, and they just didn't maximize them. You saw a couple of one-run leads get away late. In so many ways, I think that typifies 2022. And not so much that the loss leads themselves It's more the manner of the fact that State is able to get in position to win a game and not finish it. Uh, Run it through your head again. We talked a week or so ago, guest in the LSU series, about the offense and those runners left on second and third base. And I asked Chris Lamonis about, you know, your offense is doing two of the three things just fine. You're getting guys on bases. You're moving them into scoring positions with less than two outs. The third step is driving them home, and that's what State is just not achieving. They didn't do that again in the Auburn series when they had a couple of situations. Weren't as many opportunities, but still you had enough to just take care of the series. No, I don't have the infamous RISP column on my own stat sheet right here. 
and I don't think I'd really want to read it right now. What we can read later Monday morning, and I'll be out of the pocket, by the way, is the updated NCAA RPI. Going into the weekend after the Thursday game, State was number 78. They'd been improved a couple of spots from where they began the week. By the way, the NCAA does not update these during the weekend. They did for the Thursday games, but not for Friday or Saturday, so we still have those to throw into it. Auburn, for what it was worth, was number 23, and yeah, that is worth something because for 78 to beat 23, well, you ought to improve several slots. But you're not going to improve enough off this one series to think NCAA at-large bid just yet. Oh, and by the way, Ole Miss was number 46 before they lost their series as well. They'll probably drop down to the 50s at this point. What I'm getting at is if the NCAA field was picked today, everyone at-large, no automatic qualifiers, anything like that, Mississippi State is still on the outside looking in. But they aren't that far out either especially considering that the RPI is dragged way down by the awful RPIs of too many of the non-conference clubs on this schedule. In that regard, beating Jackson State on Tuesday won't help too much either. A loss would be fatal. Uh, Mississippi State needs to win the game uh, just to get another W in the column, but to avoid harm. But it won't improve the RPI terrifically, much like, say, a week ago beating Tennessee Martin actually hurt State's RPI because the Skyhawks were so far down. Now, Mississippi State needs wins, a lot more wins, but they need conference wins. Yes, in case you wonder, I've already done some looking at the last several SEC seasons in terms of uh, how many SEC wins you need to get into the NCAA tournament. I say need, and there's nothing official about it. It's just who has gotten in with less than 500 records. Well, the answer is from uh, 2010 through 2021, of course, there was no 2020 NCAA tournament is that uh, I think six examples of 13 win teams getting bids six that's not a terrific reason for optimism at this point Alabama made it last year with 12 wins by the way but they had a great schedule strength overall and they won some games in Hoover Uh, some of those teams that got in with 13 wins also did the same. They scored a couple of wins in Hoover, which will jack your RPI up markedly because you're playing a team that's bound to be high up in those ranges. I just can't convince myself right now that this Bulldog team has the horses for any kind of run in the SEC tournament simply because injuries and other personnel issues just make you feel concerned. They're going to have to use everything they have in the final regular season series against you-know-who, Tennessee, and then show up, if they don't have one of those buys, on Tuesday, ready to play? That's a tough task. But right now, the task isn't even to think about that. The task is to get to Hoover in the first place. So, State, to me, they need to win 14 regular season SEC wins. I think that would pretty well do the trick, despite the RPI. And, by golly, the simple math is that uh, 6-9, and nine, 14 wins, 15 games left, Hey, why not uh, go eight and seven? That seems certainly doable. Help, please do not bring up the subject of rainouts. I don't want to get into, into that just yet. I'll probably have to spend much of May saying, "Well, if this is washed out, you know the drill." So let's just pretend that all fifteen games get played, and by the way, all fifteen games for everyone else gets played. I think getting to fourteen wins would do the trick and get Mississippi State into the NCAA's. Why not 13 wins? 
Yes, it has been done before and reasonably often, but strength of schedule is one of the large factors there. And as noted, state does not have a strong schedule in any sense of the word. So eight and seven, it seems doable. It should be doable, especially against a remaining schedule that, as noted, when four of your opponents are that far combined under 500, you've got great opportunities. You've got some of those series on the home field as well. But the Bulldogs just have not shown so far that they can string series together. They've won two of their first five, but none of them consecutively. And after winning series, they generally have come back with a really struggling series. I don't know how many times I've mentioned that game two at Georgia, but here we go again. Or let's go back to the loss to LSU in game one when a lead turns into a loss. Things like that just frustrate you at this point because you need that margin going to the second half, never mind how, in quote quotations, soft the rest of the schedule looks. How can you say soft when this team itself has not proven able to consistently beat teams and manages to lose to some of them? Well, that'd be pretty silly. And, by the way, every injury just toughens the task up. Now, Saturday was the last chance we had to talk to any staffers. Again, gone Sunday for Easter, didn't want to disturb their weekends, asking about injuries. What we've heard is that the situations involving Brooks Auger and uh, Jackson Fristo were not as serious as they originally looked. Now, that could mean anything from they're up tossing a ball right now to they're basically got an arm strapped to their side. Mississippi State does not talk about injuries. That's just you can maybe get a vague comment or so, but they don't talk about injuries. And it's not that they're trying to hide anything because people find out stuff. It's more about you don't want to put the kid in a bad situation. And I can respect that. Well, as a writer, I'd love to have the facts and him, you know, give it out there like other coaches have done. But this is how Chris Lamontis' staff want to work it. That's their call, and we'll protect the players' privacy in that regard. But we still want to know. You know, it's just this simple. The individual skills and experience, and there are just enough bodies on this roster to do damage the rest of the way. This team has won isolated games against quality competition. We know they can play well. We know they can hit. Goodness knows they can hit home runs. And by the way, this team still is on a pace to shatter the Mississippi State regular season record. And I said that, regular season. They're probably going to surpass the full season mark if they keep this up. And I think my stats coming out of uh, Saturday's game, 1.75 home runs per game. Doesn't sound like a lot, but when you play a full schedule, that adds up to right at 97. Guess what the record is in 65 games, 97 home runs by the 1998 team. The 1989 team had, uh, let's see, 96 home runs, but in 68 games. Their average was down lower, below 1.5 in both cases there. That's a lot of home runs. And as we've talked about before and written about before, Chris Lamonis does not want this team relying on the long ball. He would rather get those big bases-loaded singles, a bases-loaded ground ball for that matter that somehow slips through or they have to make a play over to first and second base and a runner comes home. Home runs are great, but it sure seems like they're not doing much to scare pitchers as was once the case. When looking around the SEC, you can see why. This is a year of offense. Pitchers know they're going to give up the long balls. They don't mind giving up the solo homers. What they can't handle are multiple RBI shots. 
Mississippi State won their first game against Auburn because they hit a pair of homers that provided five RBI. That was such a change of pace, I got to write an article about it. But they went back to their solo home run tendencies in Saturday's loss. Two runs, two home runs, nobody else driven in, lots of guys left on base. Yes, all LOBs are not created the same. Guys left on first base with two outs, that's kind of expected. But when you're leaving guys on second and third base with less than two outs, that's when you get frustrated. And it also frustrates the pitching staff, although they'd never admit it, that you you need every bit of margin you can build early because these starters have got to have help to keep grinding out innings, and they must grind out innings. That's just a fact. You saw State change up the rotation this past weekend. Brandon Smith stepped into the Thursday night role. That allowed Preston Johnson to stay on the Friday time slot and kept on Cade Smith on Saturday. Uh, Parker Snett lost his spot in the rotation, obviously, and now we're wondering about his health situation because he came in in relief and hurt something. We don't know. Did State get a little cute in game one trying to uh, milk it too much? Uh, I'm sorry, game two. Johnson, maybe, but I would have done the same thing. Yes, you get greedy. You say, if we can somehow avoid throwing Casey Hunt in game two, then we've got as many guns. I'm going to say all the guns, but State doesn't have all its guns. It's got just a handful of guns at this point, and you're trying to save them and use them very wisely so that they're available full weekend. As it turned out, they had to go to Hunt. He threw enough pitches that he wasn't available to come back in a situation on game three, and that probably contributed to the loss as well. That's what Lamonis and Scott Foxhole are just up against. They're short on arms, and they're short on trustworthy arms at this point. That is not a knock on guys' abilities or their experiences. It's just a fact of the game. There are talented arms out there that simply have not developed into guys who are ready for these type situations. They will be, and they're certainly getting enough test these days. But at the moment, who are you going to run out there in, in some of these settings? And it's a toss of the toy. You just got them. And sometimes you just have to live with the choice and see how it develops because you're so limited in those areas. Offensively, you know, some of the situations. And yes, I, I've talked about pressure on the players, self-induced pressure, I emphasize. The coaches aren't pressing them to be better than they are. Players are trying to be better than they are at this point instead of just doing what their skills allow them. Oddly enough, I thought they were pretty relaxed in the first two games with Auburn. It could have been an optical illusion, but really that's how they looked, like they just finally sat back, played baseball, and won a couple of games. Did they have to win it in pretty dramatic fashion? Yeah, but that's what relaxed teams can do instead of teams playing too hard under pressure. When you manufacture the tying and winning runs without a base hit, then you're playing good baseball. Isn't that ironic? No, sometimes I wonder if maybe some of the pressure is on the staff because you see some of the moves they made in Game 3, none of them wrong moves. I emphasize that. Uh, We media and fans are way too quick to say, well, that was a wrong move. No, it may end up being a less than ideal move or simply a move that doesn't work out. Take sending Matt Corder from second base on the last hit of the game. It required a perfect throw, a perfect catch, and an on-time tag. Out of 10 chances, I am willing to bet Auburn could pull that off twice. Well, all they needed to do was once, and they won the game. Yes, Corder's fingers were that short, and I'm not going to argue about the call. He looked out to me. Point being, Auburn made the perfect play just because they had to. 
State has made plays like that this season as well. They just didn't come in the same situation, so you don't remember them as much. That's what I'm saying. This team has the talent, has the individual abilities to do a lot of big things. It's just not clicking often enough in a collective setting. It clicks occasionally. You see the potential. You have a lead on LSU. You take the first two from Auburn. You're playing Arkansas well into the first several innings. You're whipping Georgia in a Sunday game. You're playing Georgia into extra innings in game two. You see how close this team is in so many ways. What does it take to push them over the edge into winning it instead of over the other edge into the game getting away? Well, numbers are one thing because, again, you're missing some bodies that you were certainly counting on. But at this point, you play with who you've got. There's no free agency. And no, we were asked this week on the website, you can't add players who are redshirting. You write out your roster before opening day in SEC season, and that's what you ride the rest of the season. So just just to get that out there. Much like uh, we spent several games providing the SEC's rainout rules or replay rules. That's always fun because it's fascinating how many but-what-if scenarios that we media and fans can often come up with. And the SEC generally has ways of shooting them down. That's one thing they're good at. There are other things they're not quite as good at, but we're not going to go there tonight. All right, I'm starting to ramble, showing the strains of a long weekend covering, well, make that a long two weeks, with a lot of home baseball games, a lot of spring football practices, a couple of scrimmages to cover. So maybe I should shut it off quickly here. Let's just say the obvious. State has to win games. State still has the chance to win these games and get right back into contention to lock up an SEC tournament berth to put themselves in NCAA tournament selection position again. All they have to do is win the games. I mean, sometimes it is simply that simple. Go out and win the games. They can do it. They've just got to do it. I mentioned spring football. Of course, as you know, the uh, spring scrimmage, it was never going to be a spring game because the numbers simply weren't there to have a split team. It was going to be purely offense versus defense. Ones versus ones, twos versus two. We got to see about four punts in pregame. Then the lightning hit within the eight-mile limit. The team leaves the field, and two hours later we're told, okay, moving indoors to practice. Oh, by the way, yes, had there been a practice and a media availability after that practice that we could have covered, I was going to do it respectfully, uh, not try to be smarky and cute about it, but I was going to ask about an indoor practice facility. You know, Mike Lee just made clear he doesn't care for one. Doesn't mean he doesn't want State to build one. He just doesn't care to use themselves should State build one. And definitely, Mississippi State should build an IPF. We're going to have a piece with John Cohen. We talked to him at football practice this past week. I believe it will run on a Wednesday on Gene's page about facilities. IPF is discussed. Work on the Scott Field and Davis Wade Stadium, particularly the west side and the south end zones will be discussed. Updates on the Humphrey Coliseum and some other facilities news as well. And uh, uh, closing comments about what name image likeness is doing uh, as far as Mississippi State's concerned. So we'll have that. Otherwise, uh, football, no scrimmage this past Saturday, but they'll make it up this coming Saturday. There will be an open scrimmage on Scott Field. And uh, as best we can tell by the forecast, you might even have good weather for this one. State will practice on Tuesday and Thursday, scrimmage again for the final time. And that's the end of camp for Mike Leach's third team and start getting ready for the season. Uh, after camp, then we'll start 
probably seeing some guys stepping away because they'll know where they stand uh, after camp and maybe it's time to start looking through the transfer portal and another place to transfer to during the summer and play this fall. Vice versa, Mississippi State is in an evaluation period right now. Our Steve Robertson and Paul Jones are reporting on campus visits. Soon the coaches can get out with the camp done and start doing some in-person evaluations. Those will be updated as well as far as recruiting goes. And believe me, they're going to be working the transfer portal phones about finding some players to fill out the roster for this coming season. So more football news ahead on there, even if there was no spring game to report on. Uh, yeah, it was a long, wet walk from Scott Field to Duty Noble Field on Saturday. That's what I get her, deserve for letting Kathy keep the car that day. Oh, well, dried out by now and ready to start a new week, ready to get back to work here in the doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray. Thanks for listening. Pass on the word about the doghouse to your friends. Heck, pass it on to your enemies. Maybe the Rebels will get a kick out of this as well. They certainly might learn something in the process about how baseball works. Anyway, we'll be talking to you later in the week, and uh, keep an eye on Gene's page for our midweek piece with John Cohen about Mississippi State facilities and funding. Until then, thanks for checking in the doghouse. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.